Blythe, and coming up on this edition of Daytona Scene, we talk with Ryan Kerr, president of the Daytona Tortugas, about what's happening at the Jackie Robinson Ballpark post-COVID-19. And we continue our discussion with Zone 3 Commissioner Juanita May. It's all coming up on this edition of Daytona Scene. Mr. Smith. Well, I didn't know. We, are we on formal first name, yeah. last name basis now? I hadn't seen each other in a while. Staying six feet apart. Yeah, six, yes, we were six feet apart with our mask on, gloves, and whatever else. But uh, bizarro world continues, right? It does. I, when I was leaving yesterday, I noticed uh, last week when we, when we recorded the previous episode that the, the First Baptist Church was gone. Yeah. I didn't know how long that had been. It had been a while since I've been up here. I know, right? They, uh, like, yep, they, they had all kinds of... They had a conveyor belt up there one time because there's so much rubble um, to, to take yeah. out. I wonder what they'll do with it. You know, sometimes they dump that off the coast and make a reef oh. out of this it. This is rubble, rubble. <laughs> so I don't know. Almost like dust. Like but, a David um, Bowie song. Yeah, yeah, right? So now it's exciting they've got that. That's, that hasn't yeah. stopped through this... Uh, the whole pandemic, nor has um, PNS Paving um, doing their job on, on the streetscape downtown. Things are moving right along there. The um, they're about to finish the east side and move to the west side, which is the business side of things. I guess to think if, if we had thought of well, think if we, we knew know, there was going to be a pandemic, yeah. If only. Apparently, no one knew in the whole world. But anyway. Um, we would have started the other way around and done the store side first because now it seems as the stores are starting to get open again, we're going to jump over there and, and do that. But but they'll do it in a way that'll, you know, hopefully little as pain as possible to to the merchants. But uh, well, it seems like a lot of merchants have been very very clever and uh, innovative in how they are still reaching their customers. Right. I went over. I mean, even Total Wine. I went to pick up some alcohol because we all need it during this time and i texted them where i was because they had parking spots set up and they brought it out to me i didn't have to go in there you go it was like almost like drive-through drive-through but even better because i didn't have to wait behind a bunch of cars who ordered you know something with lettuce tomato and mayonnaise on it (laughs) you weren't at chick-fil-a you weren't at chick-fil-a for your your third door out (laughs) yeah it was um I was like, you know, I bet that a lot of our merchants are going to probably maintain some of the adapted practices, right. and maybe that will help them reach customers maybe from and from the back, you know, if they have yeah. doors open to the back parking lot or other ways to deliver their products. Yeah, I've talked to several merchants. Uh, this week's picked up more than last. Of course, last was the first. This is the second week of it. I talked to my brother at the Chocolate Factory. They had a, a better-than-expected um, Saturday before Mother's Day and Mother's Day itself. They did pretty well. Of course, no tours going on there yet. That's uh, with social distancing in place. Not a good idea. But they, they've been doing well. I talked to Mike over at Atlantic Sounds at the record store, and he's... You know, they, there was a, a lot of, uh, well, you think about the music industry, it's really, 
live music's taken a, a real beating here, and this is not something you're ever, you know, as we talk about playing sports without fans, it's just not possible to have live live music without fans. It's not not something that's going to happen. Well, that's called a studio session, right? Yeah. That's a good, well, so Mike Atlantic Sense that they've been, you know, there was a lot of um, springtime is when there's a lot of releases, record store day, and all that happened. So, you know, they've been they've been busy. Um, a few of the restaurants I've talked to have been busy. So it's it's I, I think we're you know the twenty five percent. I don't think. I haven't talked to anybody who's run into a problem where they were exceeding that. They've been just barely mm-hmm. getting to that. So sounds like yeah. we're hitting about right. Yeah, I was down at, on Flagler Avenue in New Smyrna yesterday, late yesterday, and went to Flagler Tavern, where they were set up mm-hmm. with tables outside. I mean, they had some indoor, too, but it was separated. and Nothing was on the table. All the staff had on masks. They brought a... A dispenser of hand sanitizer with you when you sat down, and you know they practiced all the here's same stuff. Here's your water. Stuff. Here's your sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. And um, there were quite a few people there. There were a lot more people down on Flagler Avenue than I even expected. So I started yeah. to pick back up again. A lot of people at the beach, of course. Yeah. Well, I was on the beach. It's so nice. Very fortunate mm-hmm. that way. So it's um, you know, hopefully we're headed in the right direction and we keep going that way. That's uh. So the Daytona scene is picking up. Daytona scene is picking up, and uh, so and, is the show. And so is the show. This is a, a re- revision version, I guess. Yes. Back to number two now. Well, everyone's having everywhere. to make their changes, and so are we. Yeah. So no real events to talk about, so we're going to talk about what is going on around town, and there's a lot of things, a lot of changes. So we have a very special guest today. Right? We do. Ryan Kerr, who is a uh, president of the Daytona Tortugas, is going to join us and talk about what's happening at the Jackie Robinson Ballpark, how um, they're going to open yeah. for One a lot of the experiential other. events a community can use. Events. So this is kind of exciting. It and is. still waiting to hear from the MLB where we talk about how um, we're not quite sure what's going to happen next year, but right. hoping we know a, a good date to start. Maybe it'll be great. It would be super if we could have done the All-Star Games as we were supposed to, but even if after what would have been the All-Star break, we at least have half a season. Right. And then we're going to talk, we'll have another uh, installment of our uh, conversation, or another segment, I should say, with uh, Commissioner Coyne DeMay. It was quite a long, um, what's, we covered a lot of territory. Informational. Lot of yeah, so we, we're kind of breaking that up into a couple different segments for you. So look forward to bringing another one of those today as well. So that's all coming up that's on right. Daytona Scene. Daytona Scene. <laughs> Well, Al, I have to tell you that. Uh, tell me the other the other day, I received this email that said, "Over the past seven weeks, the Tortugas have worked feverishly to examine our stadium sanitation guidelines and procedures, with fan safety our greatest priority." And I thought the Tortugas are probably just doing fine. <laughs> it's the people yeah. that are having having the issues. Yeah, right? they're ready. So we're excited about the fact that early April was supposed to have been the opening day for our Daytona Tortugas, which we hope is not their last season in Daytona. But we aren't sure what's going on. So we thought we'd go to the experts. Is anybody sure what's going on yeah. anywhere? <laughs> really? So is it Kerr? Kerr, yeah. Ryan Kerr, GM of the Daytona Tortugas. Is yeah. joining us. Is thanks that right? For, you are GM, I'm right? Team president. Yeah, team thanks, president. thanks for having me here. Team president. We, we didn't just ask for the... <laughs> no. You know. I've known Ryan since he came to town. He's been uh, yeah. doing quite well here. So joining us to talk about what is happening. So you guys have cleaned up 
the the uh, facility I we, guess. we have i mean obviously over the last couple of years we've tried to, to modernize the facility with some of the new additions and i think the turf and the the video board in itself kind of cleaned up the facility but um yeah this gave us a real good opportunity to re-examine everything um throughout our fans journey along the way and so i think um as soon as we we saw what was happening in early march we had started um beginning the conversations of what does that fan journey look like in our ballpark and uh, over the last six or seven weeks we've really examined every single step um, over the course as you walk through Jackie Robinson Ballpark with our fans' safety and health and in, in top of our mind. So you guys have everything ready to go. We do. Right. We're, uh, our, our goal was, I've said to our staff, uh, you know, with the flip of the switch, we need to be ready to, to operate. And I think uh, that's where we're at right now, which we're really excited about and, uh, and hoping that we can reopen the ballpark uh, in the coming weeks. So who else is involved in that decision process? Because I know you and Jim would say, let's do it now, right? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of folks that are, um, you know, we're taking the leadership from, um, you know, a national level, which then has been really disseminated down to, to more of a state level. And so we're kind of taking the leadership of, of the governor and, and kind of when he deems it appropriate to, to reopen um, from a, a sports venue and an entertainment space. And right now under phase one, we're currently able to open actually just at 25% capacity um, as long as we're adhering to all the social distancing um, guidelines that are set forth. So then there's a lot of other conversations within our ownership group and then also um, here at the city and, and county level and then um, really just taking the best guidance and best practices throughout Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball because um, there's kind of two different avenues. There's the avenue of, hey, we can open up the ballpark for Tortuga's baseball games. And then there's this alternate avenue of we can continue to run events and programs through Jackie Robinson Ballpark where we have the luxury of square footage. You know, we have a lot of space, a lot of outdoor space there that if we if we utilize the field and maybe the video board correctly, we can create some really neat outdoor entertainment programs. So that's the experiential community yeah, events that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And I think from, from what we're planning to release is um, as, as early as next Friday, um, fans will have the opportunity to come out and enjoy a night at Jackie Robinson Ballpark, watch a movie with their family on the video board. Um, we have 10 by 10 uh, spaces that are so, uh, sold um, on the field where you actually be able to sit in a lawn chair on a blanket and, and watch a movie and, and get outside and, um, and hang out, which I think is going to be pretty neat. So we can actually go on the field now because it's turf. You'll be able Aren't to you go- glad you got we got turf a couple years right. ago? That yeah. was that was good. Yeah, the turf was a. It, it's really been a, a great investment. It'll never pay off. Maybe bigger than it has this year. As when we start to open, we're going to really go pretty quickly. And um, we have people um, on the baseball side, both in youth baseball and college baseball and high school, um, that are looking to do events um, at the ballpark. As soon as you know live action is able to play, um, we're going to be programming at the ballpark a lot, which is is exciting. Well, the, we can talk about the like city events or other events that we can do there. But as far as baseball goes, I mean, it is one sport where you're 60 feet, six inches, right, from the pitcher if you're the catcher. So yep. that's that's far enough apart. The, the second, third, fourth, or first, second, third baseman are far enough apart. But it's going to be the batters then. Yeah, I think so it's the not ba- going to be fun to watch if it's just a bunch of people in the outfield. <laughs> no, the batters and the umpires, I think, are what we're mostly concerned about. And then also all the, the staff and fans that go into making the experience. I think from an actual gameplay standpoint, I don't know if the players are all that concerned um, about 
you know, their actually transmission of the disease in the gameplay. I think it's more all the behind the scenes. It's, you know, having 25, 30 guys in a clubhouse together. It's all, having them sit in the dugout together. Um, it's a communal Gatorade, um, you know, that they're all drinking from. So it's, it's all of those elements more so than the actual 27 outs, balls and strikes on the field. Yeah. Well, I guess you would never really thought about all of the germs that get, you know, yeah. traded at a baseball game before. Right. It's not something that, you know, you thought about. Yeah, I think for, for 30 plus years, I've probably uh, washed my hands more in the last two months than I did my first 30 years of my <laughs> right, life. Right, right. <laughs> it has changed the, way, changed the way we do things. Well, how are the athletes staying in shape, the baseball players? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Um, in, in late March, um, all of the major league and minor league players were sent home. Um, they originally, for about a week or two, they stuck around in their spring training complexes, either in Arizona or in Florida. Um, and then now for the last six weeks, they've all been back in their homes. And, um, and so they've all had to really adapt to where they're working out. Um, and so some of them, that's in their backyard. Some of them, they have a, you know, a local park where they're maybe able to go and get some swings in or continuing to have a brother or a friend that they're able to throw with and stay in shape. But I anticipate here um, in early June at the major league level, what we're hearing is potentially um, that they'll go through like a spring training round two um, and then for about two or three weeks and before they start up play again. So would that include play here in Florida for the Grapefruit League? Yes, I think the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League, um, there's been a lot of different iterations. I know Major League Baseball just presented it to the Players Union on uh, uh, yesterday, actually, Tuesday. And... um, and then they're just trying to work out all the details. So there's been conversations about whether they would just now at this point play in their local home major league parks or if they would come back to Florida or Arizona for uh, for spring training round two. That wasn't the big thing, too, the, this, whether they're going to let – fans in, right? In our Major League Baseball. Aren't they talking about playing without the fans? Right, yeah. In Major League Baseball, what they're talking about right now is is no fans. And I think that's where, at the minor league level, you know, we can't operate without fans. Um, it's, it's that the was reason, my next question. <laughs> it's the reason that we do this. We do this for the fans. We're, they got TV money. You don't. They, they got you got a little radio money. deal. That's yeah. it, right? <laughs> we got turtle money. Yeah. Um, and those two good bucks, they don't go, you know, paying all your yeah. bills. No. Um, but no, I think uh, for us, I, I, I don't think, um, you know, no fans is a, is really a starter for us. We, we, right. we couldn't even, you know, think no. about participating in a season without fans. Um, obviously in Florida here, we would have the opportunity to, um, to host fans right now in phase one at 25% capacity, you know, in, in phase two, 50% capacity. But I'm not sure if, if minor league baseball will start up, you know, in just Florida, for example, when you have 160 teams scattered throughout the country that are fairly uniform in, in terms of starting and stopping. That's a tricky part of for all the sports they're trying to start, right? Because you have such a hotbed in areas like uh, New York, New Jersey, Northeast area, we're down here, not as much. Correct. But your league's all Florida, isn't it? Yeah, we're all in Florida. So we're, so. we're one of the only leagues um, besides the California league that has every team in the same league that's in the same state. So um, theoretically, you know, if, if it, we were to go case by case at minor league level, um, Florida would be one of the leagues, the Florida State League, that could theoretically get off the ground quicker than any of the other ones. So when we think about fans being allowed in for the games because you can't play without them you can't make the numbers work how would that look versus 
what it's looked like for the last hundred years there. Yeah, I think for us, if we were to look at it for this year in, in 2020, um, it would be uh, more selling parties. So we'd be selling, um, we've looked at our entire seating diagram. And um, so it'd be parties of four, parties of two, parties of three, um, almost like you're going into a restaurant is you would come in with your party of four. And here would be the places where you'd be able to sit in that party of four um, so that we can have pre uh, set where you'd be able to sit that are six feet in social distance front back sides um to keep so the floor will be separated will be together but separated by six feet from others correct so no budweiser bullpen thursday night i don't think the budweiser bullpen thursday night uh thirsty thursday is going to be uh be back here in 2020 but um we're definitely hopeful in 2021 the 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 budweiser bullpen is is alive and well i have to say there won't be a lot of thirsty people (laughs) so what would the capacity if you were at 25 percent, given what maximum capacity is which i know you've reached often yep what would that be how many so for us right now it's 1050 so a thousand and fifty people right now, which um, when we look at without the field, we're, we're not able to get there and ad- adhere to all the social distancing guidelines that are there. Uh, we'd be able to host about 440 people in the actual stands right now based on that. When we utilize the field, um, it creates a whole nother ball game. Um, the field itself, we're able to get just close to a thousand people there. In uh, And what we're doing is 10 by 10 spaces separated by 10 feet front, back, right and left. Um, and I think that's what's uh, what's really exciting and some of the opportunities that maybe exist more in these community-driven programs. Um, I alluded to it yesterday in a conversation. Uh, we've had some really good conversations with the Bob Ross Incorporated um, about potentially doing a, a Bob Ross painting class on the field where we're able to set up 200 painting stations out there um, for anybody to come out and enjoy a painting class on the field. So I think in trying to f- partner with a lot of local um, businesses who maybe are having a tougher time, you know, a studio, for example, is going to have a really difficult time reconfiguring their um, you know studio which may not be all that big to fit the six feet guidelines um, that we have that square footage we have the luxury of um, of being able now with the turf to convert our field to a lot of different uses and um, and then the video board adds a whole nother component so so we can talk to oceans dance maybe Brandon could do some some of his ballroom dance training there yeah it could be anything dance Zumba yoga CrossFit I mean we're having a lot of conversations with a lot of different people right now and I think um, the ballpark has the opportunity to be more of a community gathering place than it maybe ever has been before. Well, even I think you've hosted, whether it's Boy Scouts or other groups where they do overnights. Yeah. You can put little pup tents, right? Six, <laughs> ten feet apart. I, I got to say, this is one of our dumbest ideas that we had, but um, we had talked about turning Jackie Robinson Ballpark into the Field of Dreams, where you could go out and you could camp and sell out and then sleep on the field. There you go. <laughs> Why not? And the Black Sox will come back. There right? you go. <laughs> Just like that. If you if you view it, it will come. If you wish it, it will come. Well, that that sounds pretty exciting as far as the opportunity to use that facility, which is a public facility, really. It's right in the middle. There's tons of parking in the area for a lot of different things other than baseball until we can get baseball back. For sure. And I think that's um, what, what we've always kind of tried to say and what we've really focused on the last couple of years is really showcasing the ballpark as that community gathering place. Is um, the, the goal of the turf was to activate the facility 300 365 days a year we have you know this jewel in the heart of downtown how can we drive traffic to the downtown area that helps all the downtown businesses um, but then also continues to activate and build up what we got and so I think as we went through really 
probably two months of, of depression to some degree. You know, we, a lot of us are just all depressed yeah. and we haven't been able to get out. And um, as we continue to hopefully reopen and get out, and I drove over here and I hadn't seen, you know, what was going on there and the development that's happened on Brown and Brown Building. Yeah. We're going right. to get out of our I house yesterday, where yeah. we haven't maybe gotten out in yeah. two months. Yeah. And uh, the world around us may have changed, but hopefully we can get back to the, you know, excitement that's happened in our community here for the last three or four years. And hopefully this is more of a blip than anything else i noticed that the first baptist church was down last yeah, when i came i hadn't even realized yeah, that, it's, that it's that's rubble gone no, it is it's gone it, yeah, yeah it's completely gone and all the work that's being being done on beach street which also drives that bring people down yep. down for that so what other um uh, uh, people within the community are you hearing from as far as hey can we use your facility or is this something we so i think do? we're we're focusing right now um on a lot of outbound we're talking to a lot of people i think um us really showcasing that the facility is open and ready to be utilized um was really our key number one message and now it's people just starting to get their creative hat on and, and seeing oh maybe you know there are some opportunities that exist out there and um and that was our goal was really just to, to have conversations with different community stakeholders and see how we can utilize the facility which has all the makings um, to be successful in this sort of environment. So how does this, the p- a pandemic and everything else that's going on, impacted Major League Baseball's decision regarding the Tortugas next year? So I think... Um it's maybe been delayed, it feels like, to some degree. That's uh, good, right? Let's push it off. Let's kick yeah. the can down the road we, we a little bit. Kick the can down the road, but I, I don't think it's it's, it's um, delayed it in terms of, you know, this 2020 is the, the decision. I think 2020, there will be a decision made um, on the Tortugas. Everything that we're hearing is really, really positive. Uh, I think the uh, the city's pledge and commitment um, to stadium renovations in uh, that they made in early February, um, addressing some of the facility concerns that Major League Baseball has, um, we're really, really productive in terms of moving the needle for, for Daytona Beach to continue to have a team. I think the way that we've responded here um, through this pandemic has uh, showcased just how strong the Tortugas are, how strong Daytona Beach is. Um, that was really the messaging, I think, even from November 15th. When we heard the news, uh, there were a lot of teams and communities that um, that kind of folded up and, and took a more depressed tone. We t- we took a pretty angry tone, and I think um, and our community... Yeah, I think your own <laughs> took a very, and our community, very public... Uh, and our New York Times kind of town. and our community rallied around it for us to be um, in the New York Times on on uh, Christmas Eve um, on Fox News and and for us really to to showcase and to say why us you know we got Jackie Robinson Ballpark here we have the Daytona Tortugas the yeah. second best attendance in the Florida State League we're continuing to constantly invest in the facility um, there's no reason that Daytona Beach should be losing a, a professional baseball team and uh, with all the outpouring of community support that we received in the first two months there. Um, it really became evident, I think, to Major League Baseball of, whoa, we maybe woke up a sleeping giant down there. And uh, and Daytona Beach, in a lot of conversations, was front and center of those teams of 42. It was, well, if we're going to you know look at a few teams that we definitely need to start thinking about keeping and saving in the 42, Daytona Beach is one of them. And that was our goal from day one. And that's continued to be the message that we've heard. And with these improvements, I think we hopefully should be safe. Because when we first heard about this consolidation it didn't sound like really it was anything we did or didn't do it was just this whole idea consolidating and and now what you're saying is that there was something we could do and we did it yeah i think i think ultimately um they've 
they definitely said like there were facilities that needed to be upgraded and um and when we heard that we wanted to know what were those issues and what did we need to do to upgrade them and i got to give credit to you know the city of daytona beach is you know they've stepped up they've they've pledged the money and they've said we're ready to step up and and answer the bell that major league baseball but weren't they just trying to also get rid of maybe a whole level of baseball and i still think they are i still think they will ultimately get to about 120 minor league teams uh compared to the 160 that they're at right now um i think COVID-19 probably um, yeah. will soften the blow to some yeah. degree. There's going to be some teams, and I mean, we're, we're feeling the pain just as much as anybody else yeah. right now, um, that, you know, some of the owners are probably a little bit, uh, you know, less inclined to continue to fight based on just their level of pain that they've maybe endured yeah. throughout this whole thing financially. Um, so I think that maybe softens the blow a little bit to some communities, but it's still sad when you think about 2021, 2022, um, Teams that have had, uh, you know, communities that have had teams for a hundred years might not have professional affiliated baseball. And that's the difference between baseball and let's say football or, or basketball. It's much more community driven, right? I mean, Major League Baseball, for instance, really the numbers are driven by by the local market, right? The local radio, local TV, yep. whereas football is more of a national. I mean, at the at the minor league level, we have seventy home games every single year. An yeah. NFL team has eight home games. Right. So, how do you continue to you know get the the community engaged and support us for seventy games over the course of five months? You know, that's a lot of support, and uh, and we're so blessed here to have that level of support. That whether it's a Tuesday, a Thursday, or a Saturday. There's over a thousand people coming through the gates almost every single night. Uh, you know, on those yeah. Thursdays and the Fridays and the Saturdays, we're pushing close to three thirty-five hundred. Um, but still, for a thousand people on a Tuesday night mm -hmm. to come out and enjoy a baseball game is pretty amazing when you really think about it. Um, and they're doing it week after week after week, year and after year after year, year after yeah. year yeah. after year, yeah. and growing every single year. You know, we we've grown twenty-five percent in attendance in the last two years. Um, so I think we're. It's definitely a community place. Um, the, the ballpark is, is so special to a lot of people here. I think from me getting down here now three and a half years ago and hearing all the stories and hearing um, you know, all the people that have been bat boys at that ballpark and what that ballpark's meant to people here um, is really why when we heard in November we had to fight and you know, we settled on the emotion of inspired, you know, inspired to fight for our community, inspired to fight for um, the people that have come before us here. Hashtag stand with the jack. Stand I was with the glad jack. to see that. Yeah. Well, and you guys are very creative. Your team has really come up with some amazing ideas. I know you've been featured on ESPN, the Bob Ross, the uh, just so many different ones. I loved what you did for opening day since we couldn't do an opening day. You, you and Sheldon, who just got back from his honeymoon not that long ago, <laughs> I guess Shelly let him out for a while, yeah. took, took to the road and you brought the baseball to the people. I thought that was really cool. It was neat. Uh, it was one of the coolest experiences that I've ever been a part of to do opening night in our community. Uh, I was just saying, we drove 220 miles um, around Volusia County that day uh, from neighborhood to neighborhood, um, bringing joy between Sheldon and Shelly to uh, to a lot of different communities and, and uh, a lot of our fans locally, which was really special. And then uh, to have the national anthem performed at, at Jackie Robinson Ballpark over Facebook and 
Instagram Live. Um, it was pretty pretty neat. Uh, it was in front of nobody at, at the stadium, but everybody was there with us. Um, and then to have a virtual first pitch uh, that everybody got to enjoy with us. And it was a really, I think, a great community rallying piece. Um, we heard a lot of great feedback from that. Um, between that and then some of the other community initiatives that we've we've done, CBS Sports actually um, released a story about three weeks ago that called the Tortugas the most community-engaged team in the entire country, um, which I thought was a nice. really cool um piece uh, about us and something that we're really proud of um, in terms of how we've kind of dealt with this pandemic. I know uh, Josh McCann, um, our community relations manager, he spent this entire week um, doing virtual classroom visits. So he put it out there um, on Thursday to the Volusia County Schools and in one of our partnerships um, that Sheldon would do these surprise uh, virtual visits to your classroom if any of the teachers were interested. He was expecting a couple teachers to maybe, you know, send him an email or send him a tweet. Um, by Friday afternoon, he had 55 teachers that had contacted him. So wow. um, he's been uh, busy uh, between being Josh and maybe being Sheldon from yeah. time yeah. to time right. today. So we get we get onto our virtual Zoom calls, um, and he's you know looks like he's just been sweating coming out of the shower, and it's just because he's gotten his Sheldon head off. Wow, that's funny. That, that's amazing though how your how the outreach is working. It, it really is. It it's, it's pretty cool. So I've said uh, along this way, there's going to be organizations that hopefully have found better efficiencies and have come out a little bit stronger to this. So hopefully we're, we're nearing the finish line and there's a little bit of light at the tunnel and we hopefully can get back to some sense of normalcy sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So um, I was just wondering, because, you know, they say that necessity is the mother of invention, right? right? And you've come up with some efficiencies. Al and I have talked about our, the, the businesses we're involved in, how you come up with new things because you have to. So I'm just wondering, do you think this is a time to maybe invent a new sport that has to be performed six feet apart? Hmm. You know, I mean, I know the myth of Abner Doubleday, right? Creating baseball, but... Maybe we can come up with a new sport. I like it. I like a challenge. So Something I'm, I'm in. That we can yeah. do, and we can date guy, you, this he's, new sport. He's overcome, he's overcome Major League Baseball coming out of a pandemic, and now you need one more, Ryan. One more a thing. new sport. And it can be done with, you know, you can debut it here. It can be the Jackie Robinson ballpark sport, whatever we call it. For sure. Whether I, it's a Frisbee or, or something that is maybe hypoallergenic. Like it everybody's in to, a bubble of some uh, type. Right. Everybody's in a bubble. We kind yeah. of all are, right? Anyway. To some degree right yeah. now, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, so, I'm awesome. game. We're, our, our staff is on board for any challenge. We're, we're always ready. So it feels like uh, just yesterday, you know, we were dealing with uh, the challenges that our field faced for, you know, uh, for about a summer. Then we had a hurricane that ended our last season. That's then, right. You know, we're dealing with uh, the full off season of contraction talks right into COVID-19. So, yeah, if you let That's everyone... One more thing. What Give you, us one more. Yeah, come, come on. on. <laughs> come up, come up with a new young. sport. Yeah, and I was really excited. You were. I, I love bringing my dog on your. I guess Wednesday night was bark. Bark in the park night, nights. Yeah. Yep. You were moving it to Sunday. To Sunday nights. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully we'll get back into that sometime soon. Amen. Um, so any other news you can share with us? Maybe a new recruit, somebody special that could be signed? So I know there's a couple of great players that we were anticipating for this year, both Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Um, Hunter Green? Hunter really? Green, yeah. He uh, he was like, in 2018 uh, for the MLB draft, he was like the LeBron James of, of baseball. Oh. Um, he was a high school student out in California that was actually a shortstop and a pitcher, um, but he threw 102 miles per hour off the mound. Wow. Um, wow. But an unbelievable shortstop as well, was ready to be drafted 
drafted in the first round, either as a shortstop or a pitcher. The Reds drafted him as a pitcher, second overall, um, signed him for just short of $7 million. And um, and then he actually ended up getting Tommy John last year in 2019. Ooh. And uh, he was slated to start with us here in 2020. So, yeah, some really good players I think that would be be here if we're able to host a season. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's some great players that have come through here and some great players that are on the horizon. And, and what, one other question about uh, the, the stadium. I just remembered um, you had the women's softball team that was playing there, that competitive team. Are they yeah, – so if la- you get la- back la- open, they'll come back? So last year we had the uh, the Chinese national softball team um, that came over here, and then they competed in the national pro fast pitch. So NPF right now, um, with the delay of the Olympics, is kind of in the state of limbo as well. So we've been actually talking with them, um, and it's – fairly international game so with some international travel restrictions um i think that will be on hold for a little bit um but i anticipate in 2021 2022 that there's a a potential future there yeah and so besides uh, the big lebowski and um some of the other movie themes you've done is there something (laughs) new that one you're you're thinking about oh god uh, it seems like it seems like a while ago that we we thought about our promotional calendar. We've had to kind of reinvent everything. Uh, what movies are you show? Are you going to show in movies? Yes, yeah, so we're going to show uh, on Friday. We're showing Forty Two. So okay. we're showing the, the movie Forty Two, yeah. um, and then we'll we'll continue on that. Makes we're, sense. On the series, well. we'll continue with uh, the movie theme. So we're going Field of Dreams after that, then The Sandlot um, after the Naturals. That. And one of the my Natural, favorites. I believe, is in there maybe week five. Full Durham is another. Full Durham is a great movie. one. You so, could even do right like a Disney movie or yeah, something Disney too, right? Movie. Yeah, we've, we've talked they might about cost too much, but yeah. <laughs> Bad News Bears. <laughs> Bad News Bears. Getting Billy Bob Thornton out there. Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe <laughs> yeah. he'll have nothing else to do, right? Even if he just can you video with the screen? Could you actually have a live like Zoom video? On you are asking screen? the wrong person yeah. about that. Yeah. that that's yeah. way above my pay grade. <laughs> that'd be kind of fun Rocky as Horror well. Picture Show. Yeah. Maybe do yeah. a midnight one night or so. So Ryan, you're very energetic. You've been working like crazy with juggling all these issues. How are you keeping yourself going during uh, this time? We're busy. We're we're just hanging in there, and we're just trying to focus on uh, when the opportunity arises. How do we we keep our community busy, and how do we get them engaged? again um, and so along this way we just wanted to be good community partners good community stewards um, see how we could inflict that level of positivity for our community um, because I think that's what they typically rely on us for is entertainment and positivity and so we're here to provide that well we'll keep on social media so we can see where Sheldon is next teacher right. room, classrooms maybe we can get him on the show you know he wouldn't have much to say <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Al, Al does this all is, the talking right? yeah this is a visual medium <laughs> yeah, this is not a visual medium yeah. <laughs> but we're excited to find out when the first pitch is actually going to happen but yes. definitely starting next Friday yep. you'll be maybe doing movies so hopefully alright well thank you Ryan right. Carr GM President President of, of the Daytona Tortugas thanks Ryan thank you much Hey there, producer Bobby here. If you have been waiting for the conclusion of the interview with Quanita May from last episode, wait no further. Last we left off, she was talking about incremental change that matters and the efficiency of government. Here we go. Right. So, so how are you how are you communicating this to the constituents to the city? You mean as of right now yeah. or in just terms in of general, in general just in general communicating because I think that a lot of it and we've talked about this a lot on this show about what is happening on Beach Street in general and there's a lot of there can be some people who don't know what's happening. Sure. So then they're so, critical. You know, it's I mm, okay, so one of my in another life in another life um, my master's degree, my first master's degree is in marketing. So I'm all about, and how are you going to get that message out? So we started uh, the city manager's update 
And that was um, maybe maybe a year ago, I think we started that. City managers update. And every time we have a meeting, they give us a little like a little folder. And the folder has different things that are taking place in zones one through six, which before we didn't do. So nobody really knew about the projects that were underway, what was going on, etc. Um, we also are more interactive, and you can attest to this with regard to our website, our email systems, our Facebook systems. We're using it for marketing. How yeah, is it working it, for marketing? It's very good. No, it's been excellent. The, it's been uh, excellent, right? The team that's right. working on it. They've exactly. got a team now that's mm-hmm. addressing those. And yeah. we didn't necessarily have yeah. that before. How is the city manager update communicated, though? Is that an so audio right thing? Now, uh, no, it's actually it's a, it's a printed piece of paper. And then we actually have something happen in my phone. It's called an e-current. And they send out emails to everybody. And it lets you know um, all the different events or updates that you want to kind of pay attention to. But again, I guess my issue with the email is that we need to have your email address or you have to link up to us. I'm going to tell you what I think would be great. I'm going to put it out there in the universe. Um, I think it would be great if we had a message board an emergency message board or just a community message board. Um, we have some ordinance about things like that, which you might have to evaluate. But in these times, knowing when a road is closed, knowing when curfew was, we took that away. We said there wasn't a curfew anymore. But just those bits of information, a message board would have been fantastic. Port Orange has one. They have no issue with it. Right, so I think it would be a really nice thing, you know, in Daytona Beach, be important. Yeah, well, even linking with the apps that people use to get from point A to point B, right, yeah. to pop right. up. Oh, this road is out, you know, because so, ways or the other ones don't always know. Right. So it's interesting, uh, you know, when I was campaigning, I was, uh, I. You know, technology and I, we have become friends. We were enemies, and we now have a, a friendly fire kind of relationship. So um, when I was campaigning, I was intrigued by where Beach Street was going. And I remember going to an event in Orlando about smart cities. And smart cities, as you're driving and as they're changing their infrastructure, as they're putting up new buildings and new streets, they will lay fiber optics down. And you can actually use your app and you can hold your app up or your phone up and let's say, oh, this restaurant is this, it's open. And as you're driving, it's sending your information mm-hmm. down the street. I thought it was phenomenal. As no. long as your passenger is looking at it and not, and not you, you while you're exactly. driving. Unless you're in a self-driving thing. car. And, or you, and they were talking about next. self-driving cars. <laughs> yes. And actually, the state of Florida actually has test sites for this. So we are actually... Uh, a. Orlando is quite the city of innovation. And they had some of their city planners there. And I thought, this is great. If we could try some of this, and we get so many people from Orlando, right? I mean, we double our population on any given day when we're in full tourism gear. So, I mean, they're bringing that technology here anyway. Why aren't we just going? Or do we want to position ourselves as more old-worldly? How do we want to position ourselves? No, we don't want to be old-worldly. How do we want to be? I mean, we want to have old buildings, cool old buildings with... You know, great Wi-Fi. Okay, so, right. Yeah, so let's, we want, so define, we don't want, we don't define want, cool old Well, buildings. I think making the most of our story, the history of Daytona yeah, Beach, and capitalizing on th- that excitement and energy so, while using new technology to do that. Okay, so again, a few years back in, in preparation for office, I did some research and I went to, um, it's called National Main Street Association. You know about it, Al. And they had their mm-hmm. event in Kansas City. And I went to their lectures and their training programs. And I remember speaking to a mayor who said to me, you know what, Juanita? You're going to have to figure out what the best parts are of Daytona Beach that you want to hold on to. Don't get rid of everything 
He said, we made that mistake and it hurt us. We had a brand and then we said, let's do something totally different. And we lost market share, like literally in the world. And so, I mean, we are known as what? I go anywhere. Daytona Beach, they say NASCAR, they say cars, they say bikes. That's what they say. And the beach. And And the the beach. beach. Mm -hmm. And the beach. And so I I always keep that in the back of my mind when I hear we're trying different campaigns. In my mind, I'm always thinking, you know, what are we going to keep? What do we let go of? What do we innovate? What do we adjust? Maybe it's not a matter of letting things go. Maybe it's scaling it down. Maybe it's moving it to new location. Maybe it's something along those lines. What do you think? Well, I think we're in the midst of that. It's happening naturally. In downtown and just by just the fact that employers moving in with 900 people with well-paying jobs, mm-hmm. you know, that changed the paradigm right there. And having been involved for <laughs> more years than I want to admit, more than 20, um, we didn't see that coming. 20 years ago, we did. Not now, a lot of the plans we did in, in our process of, of doing master plans, a lot of those things are coming true now. Yes. But but at the time, we did not, we did not in there say, go find a, a, a brown and brown that's going to, you know, do something that probably didn't make that much sense for their business, but mm-hmm. they wanted, they're part of our community and they wanted to embrace our community in a way that we didn't see coming. But we saw, we saw the way to do the, the church blocks where, where now we're going to do, uh, mm-hmm. we, we understood that we needed people living downtown. That's starting to happen. You see Burgoyne who, who for a century have been part of downtown and basically a, uh, you know, an absentee landlord mm-hmm. all of a sudden now has They're bought in. in. They're back in. And, and so it, it's, you know, little hinges can open big doors sometimes. And that's, you know, I think, what's happened. I think what I learned most when I went to that training in Kansas was, okay, the, what, what I liked was the idea of you have to maintain people in the community who are holding the vision. That vision has to be carried on through through the marketing, through the offices that are elected. You have to maintain a vision because every time that you have an election, you change people out, the vision can change. Right. And so you have to have a certain number of people in there who say, you know, we're in here. doesn't have to be the same people. They can be out of office, but the idea of where we want Daytona to go, that has to stay no matter what. And when you change it too often, you get nowhere. You get absolutely nowhere. Well, and that I think goes with how we are perceived in the in the world and and marketed in the community in the in the world. Right, is that message has changed multiple times right. since I've lived here, as opposed mm-hmm. to a very you know, I don't know it can be simple, but it also can be basically a cohesive message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think every one of the main streets that we may have gone to and loved and thought this is great, this is what we need in Daytona. Those took time to build too. Oh, one hundred percent. So it's part of its patience. So, you know, we spoke about B Street. We spoke about Main Street, right? So let's go to, what do you think of Seabreeze? Because, I mean, uh, I'm the zone commissioner for the south side of Seabreeze. So my question is, like, when you see all those restaurants and everything else, and on the other side is the Waffle House, right? So 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 it's not the Waffle House, it's the other side. Um, What do you think of that? Well, I like all the bike lanes that were added. Okay. I was very happy with that expansion. Right. I think we should do more of that. But, I mean, it's interesting. They have these really small little restaurants, little bars, little taverns, and you can kind of hop while staying on the same street. 
What do you think of it? Well, I think I'm old for that street, so I yeah. don't go down there much. Right. Um, Oyster Pub's kind of the only yeah. place. Well, I Southern think Title I go has to. an office there, and right. that's, a, well, there. that's a great location yeah. for an office. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and I don't. <laughs> I certainly think a younger vibe is a good thing. Yeah. And I think Seabreeze has kind of it's got its own that. But see, it has an identity there, right? And so that's important. So each little street has a little bit of an identity. And when you take a look at some of the master plans, that was the concept. Each area is supposed yeah. to have an identity it of its own, that. and we're starting to kind of get that feel. And so when I go into the Midtown area, so I'm going to tell you, I think the prettiest little Main Street corridor is 2nd Avenue or MMB. It is the mm-hmm. ideal walking from side to side street. I mean, it's small enough, it's quaint enough that you could have a lot of little shops there. Right. So, I mean, I always like that street and we have a beautification plan that it seems like it's a little bit on hold right now because there's some other things going. So we uh, have the beautification plan uh, for MMB and it'll go from the Ridgewood Road uh, all the way back to MLK. And we're not tearing the streets up. Nothing like that is taking place. It's about trees and landscaping Mm -hmm. and how to make that a little bit less, how can I put it? It's got to be walk friendly. And we find that having trees makes it a little bit more sheltered. Otherwise, you just feel like you're being beat down by the sun and everybody stays in. So that's also in the works. And then MLK is moving along swimmingly as well. So, I mean, all the areas are getting a little bit of love right now. We also have a Derbyshire. We have the football fields there. They're being redone right now. They've had sidewalk improvements done as well. Things are moving along. But each zone is getting something. It's not, it seems as though to some people, I think, that for a while it was zone four. Tanger outlets, you know, the malls, things like that. But the reality is, I'm not sure if you felt this, my fear for having the shops out there was that it would pull people from the beach to the shops or they would just want to go shopping they wouldn't want to enjoy beach street that was my fear but now that we have the park i'm like huh this will be all right they have three areas they've got the shopping experience the mainland experience Mm -hmm. the beach street with the park experience and then the ocean experience so it's nice so what you're looking for i've got one last question only one just one is it deep and probing make it it good make it good When do you sleep is my question. Or do you sleep? Or what is your sleep patterns? You wake up like this? Does it take coffee to get you going? Or, or Tell how? us the truth. I don't know if she does coffee. Co- she okay, does. so I, well, I'm not sure if you know what I do. What I know do you I don't do? Eat. I know you exactly. don't eat much. Exactly. So what do I do, Al? What do I, I do drink. for a living? Wait, what do I do for a living? What do you do for a living? What do I do for a living? That's the mystery question. What does you're, Juanita you're, May do well, for a living? You're a fit. I don't want to say it. you're a, as you said say you're a small you business you're a, you're a merchant I'm a who, merchant who offers an alternative way to stay in shape be it dancing or 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 zuma dancing or lately you've been doing some one-on-one training so you have you have stayed in the fitness field but you've but you've stayed relevant and you've made changes where you see changes need so to be made. So that's how you met me, right? That's that's your perception. Okay, go ahead Lisa. How have you known me? What have you known me to be? 
Um, well, you are a uh, mental health and uh, physical health, emotional health, the whole shebang guru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> and do I sometimes work in larger groups? Yes, yeah, facilitates um, fitness and just um, a more mindfulness among people. I think you do, I don't know if you do meditation, but mm-hmm. teach meditation or talk mm-hmm. about the value of uh, yoga, meditation, eating well, eating mm-hmm. organic. Mm-hmm. We've had that conversation. Sure. Made her some delicious um, <laughs> yeah, pumpkin co- curry, curry once. I remember that, yes, yes. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so um, all, you're correct. Depends on how you meet me. Now, if you meet me and uh, I'm doing something political, you're going to think, oh, she's just a politician, right? And then if you meet me in a corporate world, you're going to say, oh, well, does she go to corporations and do chats for people in corporate offices when they're doing events? Or does she do health, fitness, wellness? So now you can also add to that, she's doing online fitness training. So I've taken my business online. So I'm up, this morning I was up at about 5.30, I saw my first client at 6.30 via Zoom, and then it went bang, 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 bang in 30 minute windows. So every 30 minutes, a new client pops in. So she doesn't sleep. (laughs) Every 30 minutes, a new client pops in, and then at 9 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have a group fitness class, where I have about maybe 12 to 18 people Zoom in, and they go ahead and they do their online workout with me for about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, For my private sessions, I have... Um, X amount of equipment in my studio, my dance studio, but I also do group fitness and whatnot, and training and one-on-one training and coaching. And I gave each of my clients a percentage of my equipment. And I said, take it home. Yeah, Everything like is idea. portable. So they didn't have to buy anything because right now, uh, yeah. a set of dumbbells are gonna cost you $120. Wow. Oh yeah. There is a market value on fitness equipment right now. Yeah, you cannot find fitness equipment. So I have enough for a class of 20 to 25 participants. So I just gave them the equipment and I said, that way we know we're training together. So that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in my spare time, I'm a grad student. but and I just and marriage and family mental health counseling. Right? Yeah, yes. so it's I'm a marriage and yeah. family therapy. What time do you go to student. bed? Five thirty yeah. got up. What time do you go to bed? Oh, I like to be in bed by about ten. Okay, and well, so, that's good. I mean, so and also take, I take naps. Sleep. Okay, I take naps. All right, you know. But I mean, how is this changing your business? Curious. How's it changing your business? <laughs> I don't have a business right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Like, are you doing anything with it at all right now? Right, no. Nothing. Okay. And then, here. And then well, for the southern title yeah. side of my, my life is uh, we are doing remote, a lot of remote closings, doing closings outside. We actually reopened this week and are doing, we put screens up, uh, shields to separate from people. Okay. Everybody can wear, we, you know, recommend gloves and masks and we provide mm-hmm. those as well if they right. don't have those. Um, so because this market, this crazy pandemic happened to coincide with some of the lowest interest rates of all time. Uh, yes. So there's a lot of people refinancing. Right. Or if it you you know when you can reduce a point on your mortgage, that saves you a lot of money over the course of a 30 year. Right. So um, the business has not slowed down as much as we expected, although it may, because unfortunately, as we've all seen, jobless claims. If you don't have a job, right, it's like 33 million right you now. You can't get a mortgage. Right. So oh. that is going to probably slow things down going into the summer. But um, our our associates, who most of whom have not are not used to working at home our our technology team was able to deploy computers to everybody's homes and set them up so they can continue to work so that's good nobody's unemployed i'll tell you right now i'm so impressed with what you're doing because you're running the board right so i'll tell you one more thing we'll see how this sounds no i think it it sounds great right now so i'll tell you uh, you've motivated me 
right? I wasn't expecting to see you run the board, right? So, I mean, somebody said to me, Juanita, you better start learning because I have a radio show. That's the other thing I yeah. do. About two years ago, I had a radio show called A Healthy Way with Juanita May. My last name happens to be May. What can I yeah. say? Right? And I love to do these radio things in the month of May. I do everything in the month of May. I don't know what that's about yeah. either. So, good marketing. So, then I started a show called Moving Forward, and every week, the concept is not... And this is how it's impacted my life negatively. Okay, right, I know that. And now the question is, how are you going to move forward from this? So for me, I went online. Do I think my clients are gonna stay online? I think a good percentage are. I think very few clients when they, and remember, I do one-on-one fitness, so my clients, there's no one else, it's just us. So they have an entire 22 to 2400 facility with equipment all to themselves. That's what they're looking for. So do I think fitness is gonna change? Yes. Do I think more people are gonna wanna do more private executive wellness? 100%. Hmm. So suddenly that small boutique business, I think has stands a chance of, of doing better. Of, but we, only, we work hour by hour. We're not looking to do volumes yeah. at all. Well, adaptability has is, kept yeah. humans alive and, and every animal species alive, right, as long as we have been, is mm-hmm. by being adaptable. And mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that, fortunately, you're mm-hmm. doing, we're all doing, yeah. to see what, what else is out there. Well, I'm going to give myself a shameless plug. All right, watch this. Don't <laughs> go, a, go for it. <laughs> thank Jump you. Plug. Okay, it's AM 1380, W-E-L-E, yeah, yeah. the cat. Yeah. And it's Wednesdays at 12 o'clock. And just to finish off with what you said earlier, what is the city doing to reach people? So as a zone commissioner, that's what I'm doing. So I'm paying for the show myself, and then I'm providing information relevant to zone three and the local community. That's the first thing. Always a mental health segment. I have a therapist who comes in and talks about different issues adjustment disorder how do you how do you what do you do with the kids and the family and i lost my job and the loss of income maybe i'll have hum come in maybe i'll have different organizations come and speak right so that's my part the city has its own show it's tuesdays and thursdays w-e-l-e the cat a.m 1380 tuesdays and thursdays at 12 o'clock so they're also trying to reach a little bit more so they are trying to provide really good information Mm-hmm. Well, that seems like a good place to to pause. I don't want to say stop because we'll we'll pick this up again real soon. Oh, good! I hope so. Great having you. <laughs> You're doing all the work. It's kind of good. We have yeah. a we have a lot of exciting things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, people have to keep an open mind in this time. And I think Lisa, I think you're a great representative of okay. And what do we do next? Right. So, do you have any thoughts for for Zone Three? Like, what do you think about us? Um. I don't know. I'm on the spot now. Yes, you no, are. No, <laughs> I think it's a, you know, I think um, maintaining individuality and diversity is important that we have a, an amazing community. And the more I've learned about the, the uh, historic, um, it's the story of downtown, it's interesting. And I think every downtown could be the same, but everyone has its own unique differences and mm-hmm. capitalizing on that, showing um, brownies. Little mm-hmm. little grave site, keeping that there. And, that's a you know, monument. Okay, you know, that's not a little grave. Yeah. It's like a monument. We, we, we need <laughs> to to remember that this is Daytona Beach, and Daytona Beach has played a significant role in, in wars, in the uh, automobile, and racing, and a lot of different things. Our universities are world class. Mm-hmm. Um, to not forget who we are when we try to grow. Yeah. And I think you know, I, I think you've done an amazing job at, at bringing a lot of that and energy, keeping the energy going. 
and often probably as commissioners definitely as leaders it's hard to maintain the energy all the time when when people are facing 33 million unemployment Mm -hmm. losing their jobs losing their money health health concerns that's when you have to be out and about the most that's when you have to connect the most Um, I will tell you a heartwarming story you know cruising did their thing I had a client and I said look I need masks for Windsor Maley and my clients stepped up they didn't go buy it they made it one woman does sewing sat down and made over 300 masks with her family in my mind i see candlelight and they're sewing with yeah. wooden right. with wooden yeah. needles right? right i wasn't quite a, like a that. new version of rosie the riveter <laughs> that, that's, right that's what i'm looking at right wow. and then they distributed it at um housing authority put together a collection of the mask for each resident that we had made and then uh the hand sanitizer and then gloves and the residents loved it. They felt as though people were paying attention to them, as though they weren't just forgotten there by themselves, because that Windsor Mail, it's an important community. It's seniors, those with disabilities who are living in one, two buildings, yeah. 300 people. I mean, that could change our health numbers drastically, yeah. right? Well, and losing the ability, especially for a lot of older people, you can't see your family if you're ill in the hospital and you can't see the people. And we, as humans, we need that interaction yeah. Yeah. to survive. And yeah. that's a lifeblood. No matter the age. So, yeah. Right. So yeah. it that those, those types of stories, I think, continuing to tell those stories, the good things that are happening. And that's what that show is about. It's, it's about there are really good things that are you know happening in the community. People are being innovative. And I love hearing that about them. They're trying to find ways around their situations. And if they cannot, then they reach out to me. But then I start to, before I say, you know, city, get in there and do this, I investigate and say, okay, let me find out what's really going on. And then how can we kind of move this forward? And Mm -hmm. then I always present with a plan. It's not just fix it. And why don't we try A, B, C, or D? Let's pick one of these. That's my approach. And I think as humans, we always feel better when we're helping others. Ultimately, that's a great healing in its Mm -hmm. own. And and you've seen that. You've seen so much of helping of others. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. Good. So I'm curious, how was I as a guest? You're very good. We appreciate (laughs) you coming in. I try to behave. We'll have you back real soon. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank Thank you you for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Oh, 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 oh,